This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680 CJOB. Welcome to the program. Cam here, Jim there. Jim, how you doing? Hi, Cameron. I'm good. Happy Friday to you. Oh, I didn't know I was in trouble, Cameron. Not as good as a Tuesday. James, how are you? Cam. No, it's okay. I don't care. Cameron, what's your middle name again? Ezekiel? Uh, I got two. Donovan Kenneth. Tupac? Yeah. Cameron Donovan Kenneth Poitras. Donovan Kenneth? Yeah. Donovan! How come I didn't know this? You didn't know? I did not know Donovan. You didn't know that my middle name was Donovan? Donnie! Kenny. Donnie Osmond. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Rock and roll. Happy Friday, man. I'm Happy, doing good. Yeah. Lots no. to talk about today. Uh, yeah, lots to get to. Uh, Winnipeg Jets out there practicing uh, once again today. Uh, that should be wrapping up. We're going to have Kelly Moore join us at 1245. He's been down at practice. He's going to be talking to uh, some of the players as well as uh, head coach Rick Bonus as the Winnipeg Jets head towards a return to game action uh, post-All-Star break. Um, of course, the Chicago Blackhawks. Please note, pregame show gets going at 7 o'clock, uh, post, uh, pr- uh, puck drop at uh, 9 o'clock. It's going to be a late one on Saturday night as the Winnipeg Jets will return to action with 30 games left on their schedule ahead of the mid-April uh, National Hockey League Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, lines and deep pairings from practice uh, stayed the same relatively from yesterday. Uh, Connor Dubon, Perfetti, uh, Ehlers, Shifley uh, Wheeler, uh, Baron, Lowry, Kuhlman, uh, Menelainen, and Gagne filtering back and forth. Uh, Stenland, uh, fourth line center uh, with Appleton. Appleton going to ease his way back in the lineup. He's not wearing a contact, uh, non-contact jersey anymore. He's going to be good to go uh, tomorrow against Chicago. Uh, defensive uh, pairings, Morrissey, Pionk, Sandberg, Dylan, Stanley, Schmidt, Capobianco, uh, the seventh guy, as well as... Um, Axel Janssen, if you all be filtering, and obviously he's not a defenseman, but uh, just for the uh, purposes of practice, he was uh, uh, with Capobianco on uh, the fourth pairing there. Uh, Dylan DeMello and David Gustafson still not skating uh, with the team, at least, um, as we sort of await the situation there and and, um, and see when they could return uh, to the lineup here. Uh, some of the big news, of course, yesterday we touched on it. It broke during the middle of our show. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko. Um, this is a this is sort of a landscape changer in the National Hockey League, Jim. Uh, he was, of course, traded to the New York Rangers. Uh, a couple of picks, a couple of players. Uh, Sammy Blay goes back to um, goes back to the the St. Louis Blues, a, a prospect, Skinner, a prospect, a conditional first round, fourth round pick as well. Um, and but this is what this is what interesting this is what's interesting and I think it's a situation and, and we were hearing from uh, John Shannon earlier today in the Jets report you heard again with with Jim Toth later today uh, when he plays that uh, during his program that's going to go all the way until three o'clock. Um, the situation about how this trade deadline is has has kind of just uh, kicked into high gear with this Vladimir Tarasenko move. And it's kind of everybody been sort of been sitting around waiting to see what's going to happen, who's going to be available, uh, what's the asking price going to be. Well, it seems like it's been set. And Patrick Kane commented on this. And we know that he was one of the players that was in talks with the Rangers. And uh, not I, – I don't know how I would necessarily read this, Jim – but the, the, the tweet here um, in regards to the trade, of course, Patrick Kane has been running around the last uh, month, it seems, saying he's going to wait till the deadline. He's going to make a decision, uh, you know, end of February, beginning of March. He was asked a, about a week ago if yeah. this would be on the radar when, when Taves got hurt. Yes. 
And he said, Sick. look, illness. I have illness. Sorry. Yeah. I haven't decided yet was basically what he said, but I'll let them know around the deadline, like as in March 1st or 2nd. Yeah. And I thought to myself then, I'm like, you can't do that. It, because it, not only for the, the black, this has nothing to do with the Blackhawks. Like this isn't how this is going to play out because there's so many teams in the want. So today after practice, and this is from Charlie Ramondi Otis, yeah. who was covering the practice, said Patrick Cannon, whether he had the Rangers on his potential radar. If things were going to happen, there was a team that was a team I was definitely looking at. It seems like they kind of filled their void and went ahead and made a deal. So it is what it is, which is why a week ago when he said this, I'm like, that doesn't work, Patrick. It doesn't yeah. work that way. You know the situation. You've known the entire season. You have to decide at Christmas whether you want to be moved or not. And it sounds like you wanted to go to the Rangers. <laughs> So, so, now, so what was all this talk about? What so was the purpose the of Ranger, it? Obviously, the Rangers have been knocking the doors and kicking the tires like so many teams have, including the Jets. And they're not going to wait. They're not going to wait around, and they're not going to, you know, hopefully the price gets higher and all that. And to John Shannon's point, which you will hear if you didn't this morning, about the Jets, if you want a player, you better get them. You better go grab them. And I'm not talking about, like, the Nick Ritchies of the world. You can slow play that yeah. over the next two to three weeks. Um, maybe even the James Van Riemsdyk in, in Philadelphia. But if you want Timo Meyer, and if you want Patrick Kane or if you want Vladimir Tarasenko, Ryan O'Reilly, you better get on this because teams aren't going to wait, and the Rangers are one of them. The well, Rangers are we're coming out of the break, and there's no better pl- time because we've seen this at the deadline too. Guy gets traded March 3rd. It's March 20th before he scores and gets into sync with anybody. Yeah. There are playoff races. It's the second part of the season. Only 30 games left after the All-Star break. Teams want to come out of that break and go. Yeah. They they don't want to sit around and wait for the final quarter of the season and go like, okay, well, we're going to integrate over the next five games, and then we're going to move in, and then the final 15 will really hit a stride. They want to hit that stride now. The Rangers they do. aren't going to sit the around. I mean, the they're they're fighting for. I mean, they got six points up on on Washington and two games in hand and all that sort of thing. They're sitting pretty good in terms of a playoff spot right now. But you're going to tell me that the, that home ice advantage isn't going to be important if they are going to be in a collision course with the New Jersey Devils. That's going to be really important. The Rangers are, don't want to wait until the end of the. Yeah, the I don't trade blame deadline. the Rangers at all. I don't think they overpaid. I don't think it got no. too expensive, but the the problem with the Rangers is, is, and this is just my opinion, and Christian O'Malley and I had this discussion yesterday, I don't think the Rangers have a chance. I think they're a playoff team that can win a round or two, but I don't see them beating Boston. I don't see them beating Tampa Bay. What about Carolina? Could they get out of the I don't see Metro? them beating Ca- Carolina. So I get... Uh, they're they did, not, la- they did I'm last not, year. I'm not the Rangers. I know last year, but I, I'm not the Rangers. Obviously, if you're a playoff team, you believe you can do something and you're going to do whatever you can to augment that lineup and go. Mm-hmm. But they did this last year with Andrew Kopp and, and and lost the player and the picks. They're doing it again this year. But my my point to the Rangers is this is what the Jets should be doing. The Jets need to go get who they want and they need to put it on the table and they need to get... Now, Frank Saravelli, who we're going to try and get on the program next week, has a great story today about the five suitors for Timo Meyer, and the Jets are in on that. Yeah, And he discusses why the Jets should go after him. And basically, the one of the five teams that he listed with the Jets, he said the one problem with the Jets is, is does Meyer want to sign there long-term if a deal is done? Mm-hmm. Because none of the teams that he mentioned are going to do this deal unless he signs long-term. So to go get Timo Meyer, it was Vili Hainola, a first-round pick, 
either McGordy or Chaz Lucius. One of those two with Hainola, a first-round pick, and probably something else. Probably Harkins or who, uh, maybe yeah, another yeah. third-round yeah, yeah. pick yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. So that's what Jets fans are looking at. Do you want to give up two of your probably top four prospects in the organization, this year's first-round pick, and potentially another pick in Harkins to get Timo Meyer? But the key to this is Meyer will have to want to sign here. And this is the one thing that could hold it up. Well, that's if he doesn't want to sign here, then you can't make that move. And not not just because of Winnipeg, Cam, but because of he's going to look at Carolina and understand that Carolina is probably going to be good for a couple more years. Mm-hmm. He's going to look at whoever else, the Devils. They have a very bright future. Um, he's going to look at Winnipeg and wonder what's going on after next year. He's going to yeah. look at Winnipeg and go, I would love to play with Shifley and Dubois and and all these guys, but where and Hellebuck yeah. and Wheeler. I would love to play with those four names, but are those four names going to be around a year from now? It's it would be. This is why Jim, as I'm taking a step back here and I'm looking at how the landscape is going to start to sort of thin out here. I am I am of the opinion that the Winnipeg Jets are going to be depth piece guy that's going to maybe play top nine. A guy maybe they can move up if something happens. You know, mix things up. A guy who's going to go hard to the net is going to play the game tough. A top nine forward, a couple of depth defensemen, maybe a guy that can perhaps play bottom four on the defense. I I just, I don't, it would be such a change of mentality for this team to go out and, and bring in rental players and give up pieces like McGroarty, Lucius, Hainola and their first round picks, regardless of the fact that they, if you can say, okay, this is their best chance to win a Stanley Cup since 2018, and you are definitely 100% right there. So here's but, the- but, but what are you, how much are you willing to pay? How much are you willing to pay? Is it everything? Is that going to guarantee you the best chance to win a Stanley Cup? Or is the best chance to win you a Stanley Cup over the next five to ten years is building and developing these prospects and seeing where they can go? And if you can keep somebody like Hellebuck in net and you can sell them on where this franchise is going and the players that are coming up, is it more? Is that a better option? Because, again, how many times do we have to talk about this? The Winnipeg Jets are not going to be able to fill in gaps with free agency. So, so if they give away their first-round pick and Vela Hainola, which you know hasn't had a great season so far with the Winnipeg Jets, but we still don't know technically exactly what he is, and a guy like McGordy or Lucius. So I, I don't know if I'm willing to give – I'm not sure I'm willing to give that up here's at, the at issue. any point. If you bring in – if you keep Lucius and McGordy – there's a good chance that after the ELCs of three years that you can get them on a six-year deal, like you did Shifley, yeah. Morrissey, Hellebuck, Wheeler. I could go on and on. Yeah. Bufflin, Truba was here for six years on, on bridge contracts, but that's a lot easier than shipping those guys out, signing Timu Meyer if you get him in the deal you shipped him out for seven years or eight years, and then now you have to sort of fill the gaps that are left by Shifley Dubois leaving. So it's just, it's a really tough decision because it goes back to my conversation two days ago. Do you go for it or not? Keeping in mind, Meyer is going to want to know what the top six is going to look like when he signs for seven years in any organization. And this organization needs to know that they have been very good at re-signing their own entities. Very good at that. They have been miserable at trying to sign free agents. Yeah, it's almost so it's, it's, a, it's close to zero. You're Jim. giving that it's stuff away zero. when that is the one bona fide 
thing you've shown to be able to build around. That's why it's it's so concerning for me. More so than a Carolina, more so exactly. than a Rangers, more so exactly. than a New Jersey. Those are teams that can go, I can weigh in in the free agent pool. This is why, I mean, these, this is what the Jets, this is what they have. This so is what it's they can tough. do. It's a tough question to A, get them to want to stay here, B, convince them the top six is going to be good after next year, and then C, if you can, give away your future in the fact that two eventual top six forwards that have traditionally resigned might not be around. Well, also ten- keep in mind the Jets have no second, fourth, and sixth round pick this year, which was important. Frank Cervelli so if, made that point as well. If which that I thought first was pick goes out the door in any deal, the Jets don't pick to the third round this and year. And a big reason why was they were looking to restock the cupboards last year because See, they were trading picks and they were getting a little thin in terms of so prospects. The Jets, if they got Meyer, will be without a pick till the third round, and their last two first round picks gone. Last three first round picks gone. Gord texts the show 204-780. Do you guys secretly hate each other? I never heard two guys talk over each other so much. No comment, Gord. Thanks, Gord. I, I don't know what we want to do with that. If you're sitting at the pub talking Jets, Gord, do you not interrupt each other? You get excited? You want to make I points? don't know. It's kind of a passionate sports conversation. Isn't that I don't hate want? you. I don't hate you. Jim, I actually really like you. I, in fact, love you. I think you're a fine human... And I hope my son grows up to be like you. Oh, well, that's very nice. Uh, no, I, I'm having fun. There's I got love for fun. you. I don't mind saying I got it. Love. I You're got a love. good guy. I got love. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Um, don't cut me off. I'm telling you how much I love. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Kevin says, I hate Gord. Well, Gord, sorry. No, we you don't brought- have room for hate on this no, show. No, there's no hate. That's for social media. <laughs> you maybe brought that on yourself a little, Gord, but I don't hate you. I promise yeah. you that. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Well, thank you very much, Sarah McCarthy. Thank you, Sarah. Anytime. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. It's uh, time for your one-minute power play with Sarah McCarthy. I, I get the sense every time you say that, Jim, she's like hoping that you will just forget. <laughs> but I won't forget. It's not easy. To, I need to pre-record this. It's not easy to <laughs> dial it up every, yeah, every no. single day. To get mm. to that level of energy. Because you can't go, it's your one-minute yeah. power play. No. you got to go, it's your one. And it it's, it takes a lot out of you. i got to pace myself. i got two more hours <laughs> I know. after this. Um, okay, here's a question. I found this one on Reddit. I went into okay. Reddit advice. And I, and I was looking <laughs> at it, and I thought maybe Sarah could... Could could maybe uh, give some good advice we'll to this, this person here and maybe help our listeners. Um, s- this one was it wasn't to Sarah, but it was just like <laughs> I'm going to say this, Sarah. How can I become less easily startled? Oh, well, if you know me, I'm like the most startled person in the newsroom. Okay, well, you're the perfect <laughs> so person to answer this question. No, no, people oh, just come jumped. around the corner, and I do I do jump right yeah. out of my seat. But so I'm working on it myself. Okay, so what, what, what have you, okay, you've been working on it? What have you found that's been successful? Once she was in the um, booth, and I had to talk to her about a story. I opened the door, and she pepper sprayed me. <laughs> so take it oh easy, Sarah. Gosh. I just want to. That's like a salt. That's like a salt. Is that a question for? Well, you? most of the time I have headphones on, so I'm usually like one headphone on, one headphone off now. So okay. that's been helping. Okay, keep but... one headphone on and one off. Yeah. That'll help one eye you open. That's how totally. I sleep, Sarah. One eye open. Yep. You <laughs> never it. know. Well, thanks, Sarah. I appreciate <laughs> that. Wait, weekend. Sarah. Oh. I have a uh, power play question for you. <laughs> oh. Super Bowl. 
Oh, yes. You want to oh, save that for the Jim Tolles show, because yesterday on the Jim Tolles show, he said you would have an answer. I don't think I said that. <laughs> we'll go back and listen, but whichever you like. Are you We're gonna calling convert. me a liar? <laughs> We're going to confirm no. that. Uh, Tyson producing the show today. Tyson, can yeah, you find we, that? Can you roll the tape back, as the listeners say? While, while you're into this next segment here, please. Yeah, we're running it back right now. I think okay. we'll, we'll figure that out. That's Thank awesome. you. Appreciate that. We'll yeah. talk to you during the show then, Sounds Sarah. Good. That's your one-minute power play with Sarah McCarthy. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you this. Uh, Nickelback will be out in minutes. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know what? Honestly, uh, this is a Super Bowl that I'm, I'm going into. I don't care who wins. I could care less. Don't care. I don't want – but Tyson's a Philadelphia Eagles fan. I don't want Tyson's team to win because I'm like that. I don't want other people's teams to win. I hate the Eagles. So I'm – I, I really, I really want Buddy the Ryan Eagles to went lose. There. But, I, I, but I wouldn't care. I'm going to turn my phone off for this because I don't want it to blow up. And I'm only going to tell you this, Cam. Okay. Well, I'm just listening, Cam. No one else. Everybody else just. I don't want the Chiefs to win. I don't don't want them to win. I don't don't want want any of these teams to win. Andy Reid's good. Mahomes is great. I've been to Chiefs games. I have such good friends that are lifelong Chiefs fans. And I just. There's something about them. I just really like the Eagles. And and whether it, it doesn't matter, I have the Eagles by 10. I just. I love the Chiefs. Well, I don't, obviously, but I yeah. like everything about them and how dangerous they are. I just don't know how they're going to stop this defense and put up enough points to counter the Eagles' offense. Yeah, you know. I think that's why we'll I think see. it's 10. They'll score 24, the 27, but I think the Eagles are going to score 35 or more. And I've been telling uh, Tea Time Tyson Rewicki here all week. Tea Time. I've been just saying 76 nothing Chiefs. 76. And he like was like thinking that that's actually going to happen. I'm putting it into his head. He's like, you can't say that to me. You know, don't say that to the me. The Rewiki clan, all 17 of them. Yeah, they're all brothers. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I, I feel, they I feel all sorry went for to the mother. Flyers game, and when they won four nothing and shut out the Jets. Oh yeah, that, that's how they are. They were sticking it to the Jets fans. Yeah. Baby Gritty was there. Yeah, it's unbelievable. These they guys. were offering kids beer. It was disgusting you know, their behavior like, after they won that game. You to to act like that after a season that they've had that yeah. you have to have no shame to take pride in a four nothing win when you've won eight games all year. I don't know. That's <laughs> this, just not my style. This segment has turned into an attack on my character right now. I can't. I can't well, believe where yeah, this is going. Yeah, I'm glad you're following along. What happened at the Flyer game? Well, couple of wikis get after it. You know when a te- when the better team wins, there's just <gasps> the juices just you get see? flowing, and you, you see? know, you see, like there you go. And I he's, he's they, coming in saying attacking his character. He readily admits it. I heard they pushed a baby in a Jets jersey. Get out of my way. It wasn't a push. <laughs> <laughs> Philly uh, fans. Yeah, 204-780-6868. Thanks, Tyson. 204-780-6868. So I don't hate the Chiefs, my point is, but I yeah. do. I just, I, as much as it would be great storylines, Mahomes and all that, I just have the Eagles. I, I don't want either team to win, so... <laughs> I don't want anyone. I don't want anyone to win. Hopefully, it's okay. Let's get back to Jets here. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Get to a couple text messages here, and if you want to call today too, and it's free for all Fridays. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Give us a call. We can have a chat. Um, just in terms of, of of what the Winnipeg Jets are going to be able to do here and what they're looking at. This texture says Columbus went all in a few years ago when they got Duchesne. Look at them now. Going to be interesting. Uh, Scott says, uh, 10 million takes up a lot of space when the Jets have no centers. Uh, speaking about Timo Myers, who, of course, is a winger. 
and not playing uh, their drafted centers at center, which was been a huge issue with Appleton and Roslovic, and you want to tie all that money up with one winger. Well, I, well, Scott, like the, the situation is, and I appreciate, really appreciate the text message. This, Cole Perfetti is always going to be moving to center on this team. I think so. I, yes. I, I think they want to give him one more year at the wing in a perfect world. Um, but the plan was always to move Cole Perfetti to be a centerman. So here's the other question about Timu Meyer. There's no doubt that the Jets could use him and need him. There's yeah. no doubt that would, he would benefit this team for years to come. But do they need that winger at $8.5 million? And I don't know that's what he's going to get, but I like I look at the Bull Horvat. I look yeah. at Dylan Cousins. He's already said that he's going to get an arbitration $10 million. He knows that. But he's, his agent has already said that he is well aware he's not going to get $10 million a year in yeah. an extension. Mm-hmm. So he's looking at about eight and a half, nine for seven or eight years. And I'm wondering if you tie that up in, in Timo Meyer. Like a, he's young enough to, to put that on him. Um, but that's a good text about do you want a winger making $8.5 million? Now – Let's reverse this. When Kyle Connor comes up, are you not giving him $9 million a year? Mm-hmm. When Ehlers comes up, Ehlers is injured. Uh, I don't want to go down this road today, but yeah. I, I definitely re-up him for about eight. Nikolai Ehlers? Yeah, I don't go as high as nine and a half, but no, for no, no, Kyle no. Connor, I think you got to look at nine on the next contract. Yeah. So, I mean, then all of a sudden you got Meyer, who's in the third year of an eight-year deal at nine or mm-hmm. eight and a half, and you got to try and find money for Connor and he, and people might say like, you just go for it. What are you doing? But that's not that's not how GMs think in general, and some more so than others. And at the most is Shevel Dayoff. Yeah. Shevel Dayoff in everything he does, including this deadline does and needs to look three years down the road, yeah. if not further. Yeah. I mean, and, and like, even though I think he, uh, he, you know, he's on a three-year contract right now, this is the sort of that first year um, I'm heading into. I mean, it. the worst thing Chevrolet could do if he wants another contract here is yeah. to just give it all away, go for it over the next two years and have nothing left. Which I don't, I, I don't think that's in his, that's not, that's not in his vocabulary. Because that's not how he's been. in Winnipeg. Because I, we just no. said before the break, the only guys they can sign are re-signs. Yeah. I mean, Jordo text the show 204-780-6868. I hope the Jets pull the trigger, make a splash. I'm too old to wait another 10 years to build through the draft. That one from Jordo. Well, they're not in a position right now where they're... I, I think they got a dang good batch of prospects right now, Jim. They got I, I don't Rutger think they rebuilt for 10 years. I think no. they rebuilt for five or six, and then they started making the playoffs. Yeah. And the year they made the playoffs against Anaheim the first time, that's when the NHL changed, and so did the Jets. The NHL went from a big, physical, power-forward league to what we're seeing now with speed and skill in the the Connors, the Ehlers, the Johnny Gaudreaux. You know, there's a reason why a big power-forward stands out, because they don't exist that much anymore. Mm -hmm. So... And when the NHL changed, so did the Jets, and then all of a sudden the Ehlers and the Connors, and, and those guys came into the, the team in the fold. So mm-hmm. I just look at the last five years as continuing trying to go for it. Yeah. And I know they didn't make the – and I know when they did get in, they, they got in a bounce in the first round. But in a 32-team league, if you're making the postseason three or four years in a row, you're going for it. Yeah. And now they arguably, I would say in year 11, have their best chance. Their best chance to win a Stanley Cup is in year 11. So they haven't been drafting and building for 10 years. No, no. They draft and built for five or six, and then they augmented for five years. Mm-hmm. 
And that's where they are. And so that's why you go. I'm all on board for going for it. But the Meyer thing is interesting because, like I said, what is his – again, I look at the Carolinas and New Jerseys. If he signs seven years there, there's no doubt that they're going to be good for the next four to five years. It's a real question mark around the Jets for a player looking to commit here for seven years when you don't know if Dubois, Shifley, Wheeler, Hellebuck are going to be here. Yeah, and listen, and thing too for me when I when I look at this team and, and listen, there's going to be a lot of changes that's going to happen with this club over the next little bit here. I don't think that we're looking at with the pieces that they have with the with Rut and again Rutger McGroarty, Chaz Lucius, Cole Perfetti. Again, Ville Hainala is a guy I'm not, I'm not willing to give up on. You're seeing Dylan Sandberg uh, really, really start to come into his own. I, I, I don't see if, if, if the plan is to say, okay, we're going to keep these prospects and we're going we're gonna to try to augment them and stay, maybe take a step back and, and become an actual, like not a top 10 roster like they've had the last couple of years, but a team where it's like, listen, we're going we're gonna to be in that position where we're going to be fighting for a wild card spot. We're going to be trying for the playoffs every year. But I, I don't see this as like a total build through the draft rebuild situation. No. But it's going to be if you lose in the offseason, Jim, and it's a real it's a real possibility that you're not going to be able to keep Mark Shifley and PLD down the middle. We talked about this a million and times. And Wheeler and yes. Hellebuck. Yes. So like we look at those two, and I get it, Cam. But if Hellebuck isn't here, it changes everything. Everything, everything goes out. You can you can I f- I think there's a way that you could be able to manage. This team, if you lose PLD and Mark Shifley and you make the right moves to make those changes, if you lose Hellebuck, everything goes out the window. And it, you, you're you then in a position where, and I'm not too sure about the Winnipeg Jets' uh, goaltender depth, goaltending depth. Is there a guy like Connor Hellebuck coming up through the wings? Well, they have I don't some know. prospects, but yeah. I wouldn't say there's a yeah. – I wouldn't know that. But then we didn't know that with Hellebuck, who was a fifth-round pick. It's true. But I'm just saying, yeah. like, now having said all that, I'll yeah. wrap up my part of this segment with this. Yeah. As an outsider who's not a fan of the team, I still go for it. Yeah. I do what I can to get this team a cup right now because of the five to six year draft and build the four or five years of augmenting to the point of even when you went to the western conference final i think you have just as good or better chance of winning something this year than that year you have to do everything you can but with a close eye on the rear view of what's going forward this texter says let's face it i like shivel day off but every year we wait to see what he will do and it hardly ever happens partly not his fault but the players don't want to come here and say and stay no point, but he's not a risk taker. We have to I'm take sorry, a break I've here. I've said this a hundred times. In he, the last two years, no GM has done more. He's traded Line A for a number one center and got it in Dubois. Mm-hmm. He went and made two trades to augment two top four D-men. He's brought back and traded twice for Paul Stasny, who is a top six to top nine forward. That's five moves in the last two and a half years. He's been patient when he's needed to be, and he's known that the best course of action sometimes is to not do anything. Maybe the best move he did was look at making moves and not doing them last year. How many general managers in this league right now would have totally blown this roster up over the offseason? I'm willing to bet about half of them. Would have done that. Flames blew up their roster. We'll be right back. Kelly Moore will be with us right Look after what this. What happened there? Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Winnipeg Jets going to get set to take on the Chicago Blackhawks. 7 o'clock pregame show, 9 o'clock puck drop. 
well past the bedtime of Kelly Moore, 680 CGOB sports director and Jet Studio host joining us now. Not in Mexico. In Mexico, that's when he gets now, going. And we're talking about rust after 11 days between games for the Winnipeg Jets here. What about Kelly Moore? How are you feeling, Kelly? I feel great, guys. I am well-rested, ready to go. And <laughs> you know, it, It's kind of interesting, though, when you mention that 9 o'clock start. I haven't talked to every player about it. Uh, but we did talk to Pierre-Luc Dubois and Brendan Dillon about uh, coming out of a lengthy break with a 9 o'clock home game. And let's just say that there is not a whole lot of support, at least from those two guys. And I'm guessing the rest of their teammates would fall into the same category uh, for a uh, 9 o'clock home game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this, this is not the pandemic anymore, <laughs> but... Uh, uh, I guess maybe they can go back on their past experience of having to play a few 9 o'clock games. Well, I think for the fan base, uh, and there's some people that I've been talking to, they're excited about it, but I think that they're going to be hitting restaurants and uh, going up the town and then heading to the, the National Hockey League game and uh, here in town. So I'm not sure. Uh, you know, maybe some fans like it. Uh, some people don't. I mean, a guy like me that's, you know, I, even on the weekends I'm up at 6 o'clock just based on my, my schedule. Uh, 9 o'clock's a little long for me. That's just my personal opinion on it. Uh, how's the pace of practice been the last couple of days, Kelly? Uh, good, good. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, a lot of skating today. I they, they started off the practice today with a drill. I'm going to call it the fire drill for want of a better term. Everybody's around in a circle, and they started off with guys making two passes with a puck around the circle, and eventually they ratcheted it up to four or five. And it was kind of like you and Jim at the mirror just before you go on Jets at noon. <laughs> there was a lot of chaos. <laughs> It's got to look good. <laughs> Feel good, do good. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of chaos. It's all controlled chaos, Kelly. It's all one brush stroke at a time. Yeah, yeah, sure, Jim. You go with that story. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, it, and, and the guys aren't shying away from it. I mean, they know that after not having played for 11, and I would say the better part of 12 days because of this 9 o'clock start, that they're not going to be operating. This is the Zamboni driven by the one and only Dave Hilton going by me, by the way, uh, that they're not going to be at their peak efficiency. So, you know, they, uh, they they understand that the first period might not be a Picasso, but they also don't want it to be finger painting either. So, you know, like I think it was Brendan Dillon or Pierre-Luc Dubois said today, the one thing that we can control is our intensity. So from what we've seen from some of the games coming out of the break, maybe there might be a little extra P&B going on here uh, in that first period tomorrow night. Health-wise, what's the latest going into tomorrow, Kelly? Well, I I missed Rick Bonus's uh, availability to be with you fine gentlemen, so I'm not sure if there's been any further update on Dylan DeMello and David Gustafson, but neither one of them were out there for the regular practice today. They may have skated earlier uh, but I'll have to wait to find out more about that, Jim, uh, uh, because uh, Rick Bonus is speaking right now, and the last thing I wanted to do is to get you and Cam upset with me. <laughs> wow, that's good. That's a good planning. Um, heading into these final 30 games, Kelly, what's the biggest storyline for this club? Well, I, I think just to find the consistency, to, to be able to play the style of hockey that made them successful for the most part in those first 50 or so games uh, and to avoid the uh, the inconsistency, 
or those games like the one they played in Montreal, like the one they played at home against Buffalo and Philadelphia, to avoid those kind of games. If you're going to lose, lose playing well and playing your game because the other netminder stood on his head or somebody from the other team made a fabulous play. But I think that you really want to establish who you are as a hockey club over these final 30 games so that there is no question mark whatsoever once you get into the playoffs. Uh, what do you make of Chicago coming in with no Jonathan Taves? Patrick Kane spoke today and said uh, he was considering the Rangers, but uh, that's yeah. ship has sailed. Uh, what do you expect from the opponent tomorrow? Well, I'll tell you what. They, if I'm the Chicago Blackhawks, Jim, after what's happened in the first three games of this series, I'm coming in with a little bit of a bee in my bonnet uh, or even something more uh, uh, urgent than that. I mean, they've been outscored 14-3. to They've given up six power play goals, including three in that 4 nothing loss that they suffered uh, uh, here back in no- November the 5th. So if I'm the Chicago Blackhawks, it's your last kick at the kitty against the, uh, the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, they're probably tired of being uh, referred to as, uh, you know, one of the Bedard Bowl finalists. So I think <laughs> Chicago's got a little something to prove. And, you know, it's not unlike the regular season opener. Remember, the Rangers came in here having played. This was going to be their third game, uh, you know, and the Jets hadn't played yet because they got pushed back for the start of the regular season. Well, it's kind of a similar scenario. It's going to be Chicago's third game coming out of the break. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're going to have scraped off all the rest. So if you're looking at this as well, all the Jets have to do is show up or you could get a replay of what happened against Philadelphia and Buffalo. And is there anybody in Jets Nation that wants that to happen. Pre-game at 7, puck drop tomorrow at 9 o'clock. Winnipeg Jets, Chicago Blackhawks. I want to ask a question. Okay. I want to ask a quick question. Poitras, how do you know what my bedtime is? Uh, yeah, that's creepy. Well, I, was, I don't know. I was talking to the wife and... Uh, oh, okay, okay. Uh, uh, say no more. I'm not sure whose wife you were talking to. <laughs> Maybe it was his own. Maybe he's like, what time do you think Kelly Moore goes to bed? I've broken you guys up twice. Is that evidence enough that there is no more rust on this one? There's no more rust. Kelly Moore's come out firing today. He's ready to go. Coming right for the throat. Ready to go. Right for the throat, Kelly. Mexico ready. (laughs) Kelly, thanks so much for joining us. You take care, okay? Okay, fellas. All right, pregame show seven. Uh, he got me there big time. Uh, he's he, he got he's me. ready to go. Uh, Nine o'clock puck drop, Chicago, Winnipeg Jets. That's it for me. I'll be back same time tomorrow. See ya. Or same time Monday. I will not be here tomorrow. He's got. He's in my head. I got killing. He's got you. Rent Mexico free. ready. <laughs> Jets at noon on six eighty CJOB.